0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Me Anything. I'm getting better at this talking to myself thing. I mean, into a microphone. (laughs) Normally, I do it in the car, but with you guys here, it's much more fun. So before I get into this week's question, just a couple of quick announcements. First of all, on the evening of Friday, August 25th, I'll be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'll be hosting a meetup for all of my listeners and fans on social media. So if you're in the Texas area, mark out Friday, August 25th. Probably do a dinner earlier in the evening and then cigars for the guys a little bit after. So again, I look forward to seeing you in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on Friday, August 25th, and I'll be sure to send out an email and mention it again in my podcast. Also, if you'd like to submit a question for these Ask Me Anything podcasts, you can join my men's group, the Council. To find out more about that, you can go to renofmen.com slash council C-O-U-N-C-I-L, but if you spell it C-O-U-N-S-E-L, you can get there that way too. Members of the Council could submit questions for this Ask Me Anything, and there are a bunch of other benefits that are outlined on the website and that I'm adding to all the time. So once again, go to renofmen.com slash council to to join the group and submit a question for Ask Me Anything. So I really like this week's question. It's a heavy one, but it's an important one for men, especially men with a conscience, especially men that have a strong sense of right and wrong, which of course are the kind of men that I like to have around me and the kind of men I try to build. So this week's question is, how to move past your sin after you have confessed it to Christ, but you yourself can't let it go? This is an enormous question of self-forgiveness, and this is a real thing. So many men can find forgiveness in their outer life and even from God, but they can't let themselves go. They can't let themselves off the hook for the things that they've done. And many men allow this to drag themselves down not being able to find self-forgiveness. They just don't know how to do it. And this is something that I've given a lot of thought to because in the past, I've been very hard on myself for the decisions that I've made. It happens to all of us. And certainly with my sanctification, looking back on the decisions I made and knowing that that was really stupid, I've had to work through that pretty often. So let's take this apart and let's look at the three different parts of forgiveness, at least as I see it. So first, we're going to create a situation where you've done something to wrong a person, and it's actually sinful, this thing that you've done. So it's not just something that you've done against yourself, it's something that you've done against somebody else. This just makes it a little bit more well-rounded, but you can just take off one aspect of this and you can apply the same thing to yourself. So first, if you've done something to wrong somebody and you're looking for forgiveness, there are three different sources of forgiveness that you have to get. First is to the person or persons who are involved. Second is from God. And third is from yourself. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Well, it's not always so simple. So when you wrong somebody, obviously the first thing that you have to do is go and confess your sin to them. And it's really important. You have to find out in yourself exactly what you did wrong. And sometimes we can be tempted to to say things like, I'm sorry if I made you feel bad, or just say, I'm sorry, right? And for me, and this is a whole podcast on its own, the art of an apology is a real thing. Now, I'm not proud to say I've gotten really good at apologizing because I've had to go through repentance so many times in my life for things that I've done wrong. I've actually practiced the art of apologizing and gotten it down to the point where it's like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do here. Now, getting good at apologizing is not necessarily something to be proud of, but it's something that I can tell you how to do. When apologizing to somebody, the really important thing is to identify precisely what you did wrong. Like as fine grain as you possibly can. I'm sorry that I lied to you. I'm sorry that I said this unkind word. I'm sorry I hid this thing. I'm sorry that I stole. Whatever it is, you have to be very precise about the thing that you did wrong. To the point where you are vulnerable and it hurts to say it. When you wrong somebody and you go apologize to them, the way that you know you're giving a good apology is when it hurts to say the thing out loud that you did. If you can reach that point with your apology, that is a powerful place to be. Now, when you get there, the thing is, as hard as that is, When you actually get there, to the place where you've identified what precisely you did wrong, the speaking of it is all that matters. It doesn't actually matter in that moment whether or not the person forgives you. That's the magic of reaching that point, where you can get to the point where you say, I'm sorry, I stole from you. You confess the actual thing that you did wrong. When you reach that point where you can actually say, wow, I stole something from this person, I have the courage to speak it. When you speak the apology, you are freed of it. And then the other person is forced to reckon with that apology and forgive you or not. And then the forgiveness, the ball goes in their court. Now, obviously, you may want them to forgive you so that you can reconcile the relationship. But once you've actually spoken the thing that you have to apologize for, it leaves your hands. And in some sense, it's in God's hands. But really, from a Christian perspective, it's that person's obligation to forgive you. Because we have been forgiven. That might not be easy to do. And there are ways that will often couch our apology to make sure that the person forgives us. But realistically, we just have to speak the thing that we did wrong and leave it there. So, for example, you're going to apologize to your friend. Maybe you went over to their house one day. And, you know, you saw their wallet sitting out on the countertop and you took 20 bucks out of the wallet. Like, why would you do that? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But let's just paint the scenario. You stole something. So you would have to go to your friend and you recognize, like, I'm sorry, I stole that $20 from you. Like, you have to name the thing. You have to name the precise thing. Not, I'm sorry, I stole from you, but I'm sorry, I stole the $20 from you. Or, I'm sorry, I stole the $20 from your wallet. That's really, really important to be able to get there that shows humility and the sacrifice of pride It's really kneeling before your friend and asking them for forgiveness in the most sincere way because you've just laid yourself bare, laid yourself almost naked in your sinfulness by speaking it with that degree of precision. What you don't want to say is, I'm sorry I stole that $20 from you, but I needed to pay for X. Don't do that. Don't do that. You just say, I'm sorry I stole that $20 from your wallet on Tuesday, right? In as much detail as is reasonable. In that moment, when you confess your sin to your Friend. This is what it means to confess to each other. When you confess your sin to them, you've laid yourself bare. You've laid your heart naked almost in your sinfulness in front of your friend. And then it's on them to forgive you. Now, forgiveness and restitution are not the same thing. From a biblical standpoint, when you steal something of value of somebody, you are obligated to give it back to them. And I think it's plus 50% or double. That's in Leviticus. I think I'd have to look that up. I don't have it handy right now. But from a biblical standpoint, when you steal something of value from somebody, you're supposed to make restitution of either 50% plus or two times the amount. Someone will have to look that up. But separating the value from the forgiveness itself, I'm sorry for stealing $20 from your wallet when I came over on Tuesday. There's no hiding. There's nothing hiding in any of that. You're not trying to shade the truth. You're not trying to make excuses from it. You're just laying bare that you did something very, very wrong. Okay. And then the other person is obligated to forgive you. You then can figure out, how to make restitution. And the other person, by the way, they may take time to forgive you. It's not necessarily immediate. Ideally, they should forgive you right there, but they have to get to a place within themselves where they say, I forgive you, and they mean it. This is especially true for men because we know when a brother apologizes to us and when we say, I forgive you, we will then be held accountable for those words. I talked about this with Annalise from Feminine Not Feminist. In our live event, the different ways that men and women handle forgiveness. So with men, when I apologize to you and you say, I forgive you, you're then accountable for saying, I forgive you. And if I find out later you haven't forgiven me, you're still accountable for your words. This is why men don't hold grudges. You forgive, you put it past water under the bridge, etc. Now, it may take time to get to that place. And so that way, if someone wrongs you, don't falsely say, I forgive you if you don't mean it. Definitely don't do that. Take some time, breathe through it, try to get within yourself to the point where you can actually forgive. And what often might happen on the other side of that is an apology comes in response. You say to somebody, I'm sorry I stole $20 from your wallet on Tuesday. And then the friend says, I forgive you. And you know what? I knew that you needed the money and I had the thought to give it to you and I didn't and I'm sorry. And that is the most beautiful reconciliation. That is the most beautiful reconciliation when that happens. And it happens more often than you might think. But your responsibility as the person apologizing is to find precisely what you're apologizing for in as clear and concise language as you can express it, and you say it to the person, you say it to their face. In some circumstances, it might be appropriate to put it into email. Again, it depends on the circumstances, but it's always better to do it in person so you can make eye contact. And so the person can see your body language, see your contrition, see what you're asking for, see the vulnerability. And you can't help but have your heart moved by someone offering a sincere apology and sincere repentance. And honestly, it doesn't happen enough. So I really recommend that when you have to apologize to somebody for something, again, that you express it in as clear and concise language as possible in person and you don't shade it with excuses you don't try and soften the blow. You don't try and soften any blow back to you. You just confess what it was that you did and you find forgiveness. And then the person that you're speaking to has to give you that forgiveness. So that's the first aspect of it, especially if you wrong another person. Now, when you do that, I think that goes a long way to recognizing that God has forgiven you because you have confessed your sin to the individual and you've made it right. Maybe you've made restitution. You've agreed, okay, you know, uh, give me 20 bucks and if, give me five bucks later or something like that, whatever it is you guys agree on. So you've made it right and you've already gone through the discipline of finding that forgiveness. And so that takes the edge off so that when you need to repent to God for the sin that you committed, it makes it a little easier. Now, one of the things that can happen is you recognize within yourself perhaps other times when you've stolen or been tempted to steal, and you get this witness of your sin nature within you. And that is the thing that needs to be nailed to the cross, that needs to be repented against, that you need to be mindful of going forward. So maybe you go to the store, you know, and you want to put something in your pocket, and you have that initial temptation, and you recognize that, like, no, that's sin trying to master me in the same way sin tried to master Cain of Cain and Abel and you recognize that, and your repentance to God, you repent for that sinful nature again that you're tempted to steal, again that you're tempted to steal when it comes up again, that ongoing process continues to reconcile you with God and it gets easier. It's not just a one time and done thing. Again, this can be stealing, this can be lying, this can be addiction, this can be all kinds of behavior. I just chose stealing because it's the first thing that came to mind. But when we commit wrongs against people, however it applies in your life, you can apply it the same way. The only difference is with stealing, making restitution, but you can waste someone's time easily. You can be late to a date or something like that, and you can have your spouse or whoever waiting, and you've just wasted their time. So then you decide to make up their time by doing something nice for them and giving them their time back later. So this is a way of thinking the way that we take from each other. In fact, someone once said, the only crime that we can ever commit against somebody is stealing. And I thought about that. And I think there might be some truth there. When we lie to somebody, we steal the truth from them. When we waste their time, we steal their time. Of course, we can steal their money, steal their belongings, etc. I'll have to think that through. But it's a way of thinking that when you commit a wrong against somebody, it may actually be possible to make restitution. So you apologize in clear, concise language. You make restitution when necessary. You get forgiveness from the individual, true heartfelt forgiveness and reconciliation, which usually results in an outpouring of good feelings between the two. Like, wow, we just went through a thing together. This is pure reconciliation. This is even the great reconciliation. And is a big principle behind what I talk about, which would take much longer to impact between men and women collectively. So you make the restitution, you're reconciled, and then you recognize your sinful nature in your own private prayer with God and you repent for it in the past events and you repent for it when it comes up. It takes a degree of mindfulness to recognize your sinful temptations and see it again. And the reason why you do this is because you've already gone through the painful process of apologizing to somebody, again, laying yourself bare in front of somebody. You don't want to do that again. In fact, This is what really caused me and has caused me many times to confront my own anger, which wrath is my personal sin. So there have been many times in my life where I've spoken out in wrath and had to actually go and apologize in front of groups of men for my wrathful nature. And it reminded me, I don't want to do that again. It was so hard apologizing specifically for something and asking for forgiveness. It was gut-wrenching. I don't ever want to go through that again. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect, but I accept that as the chastisement and I'm aware and I repent when it comes up again, repent to God when it comes up again and apologize for my wrathful nature, that it keeps me reminded that this is part of me that I need to keep in check. So again, we have apologizing to the individual. We have apologizing to God. We have those two faces of repentance. But then what about ourselves, which is the nature of the question? How can I possibly forgive myself knowing myself? And there's a couple different ways to think about this. First, holding it over yourself will not make it better. That just leads to men beating up on themselves. I'm terrible. I'm awful. Oh my gosh. I can never do anything right, etc. That's actually a form of pride and egocentricity, unfortunately. And really, it's that pride that prevents us from accepting the forgiveness that God gives us and the forgiveness that our friends or our loved ones give us. It's actually an inverted form of pride. And you actually see this in Dr. Faustus and Marlowe's Dr. Faustus I read this back in high school, so don't hold me to this. But I remember very clearly at the end that Dr. Faustus could not possibly accept that God had forgiven him and he went to hell. And so he was so prideful at the very end. My sins are so great. My sins are worse than anybody else's. I can't possibly be forgiven. And he drags himself down into the pit. So how to move past your sin after you've confessed it to Christ, but you can't let yourself go? Recognize that what that is, is pride. It's pride that if God can forgive you, Christ can forgive you. If your friend can forgive you, why can you not forgive yourself? Probably because you don't truly love yourself. And this is very, very common. But what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what often gets left off of that at the end is the love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think we hear this in our modern day and say, Love my neighbor as myself. We hear this today and think, Oh, I must just need to get past my narcissism. That's how that translates to our modern ears like, get over yourself and love somebody else. But I don't think that's necessarily what that means. I think it presumes that you need to love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Not that you need to get past your self interest and see someone else for a change, you selfish bastard. You need to recognize that you need to love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. And so when we can't forgive ourselves for our sin, even after our friends have forgiven us, even after Christ and God have forgiven us, if we still can't let it go, we don't truly love ourselves. We are being prideful, and we need to break that pride down and recognize. Recognize, really let forgiveness in. And this is really what it comes down to. Like, do I really know how to be forgiven? Do I truly know what it means to be forgiven on a deep gut soul level? Are my sins so bad that they can't be forgiven? Are they really that bad? And when you look in the grand scheme of things, the totality of sin throughout the entire world, chances are your sins aren't really that bad. But even if your sins were that bad, they would still be forgiven. In fact, I think I was listening to a pastor talk who said that even some of the Pharisees who conspired to kill Christ, if they came to Christianity later, their sins were forgiven. And that actually happened. So if even their sins can be forgiven, your sins can be too. And that's an aspect of humility, is to say, I can actually be forgiven. My sins are not so great that they cannot be forgiven. I'm really not that big of a deal. And that's the thing that really does it. When you say to yourself, yeah, I'm not that big of a deal. I'm really not the guy who did the sins that ended the world. Like, yeah, it was really difficult for some people for a while. Yeah, it was really painful for us to go through. But, you know, if you properly forgive and apologize, like it's over within 24 hours, you're really not that important. And look, I don't say that with any intention to insult the person who asked the question or anyone listening But there's a way in which we can puff up our sins as being so big and so impossible to forgive that it's like, no, you're really not that special, dude. And neither am I. And so when I screw up and when I apologize to people, I have to go through this process with myself and I have to forgive myself and I have to check my behavior and I have to find out what's generating it and I have to go to the bottom of it. I have to recognize that about myself and I have to forgive myself for being a sinful, broken, fallen human being like everybody else and recognize that God forgives me. And then I have to do what I need to do to make sure that I never do those things again. And sometimes life hits me multiple times and I have to make the mistakes multiple times before it finally sinks in. But lately I've become so sensitive to my own conscience that it's much, much easier. That's not necessarily a good thing. It's just because I've been beaten on so many times by my own dumb mistakes that I've decided I've gotten over pain. And so I say all this from a perspective of understanding as one who's had to make restitution and make apologies for many things throughout my life and learn how to forgive myself and recognize that the sins that I commit are not the end of the world. I did not ruin somebody's life. I did not destroy the universe. I did not gather all the infinity stones and wipe out half of life in the galaxy. Like that's not what I did. I lied. I made a mistake. I let my temper get the best of me. And the people involved have forgiven me, and I know that God forgives me, and I can let myself go and I can forgive myself so long as I know that I've put things in place to make sure that I don't do it again. And that's really the final piece is recognizing My sins aren't that big of a deal, but they are still a big deal within the relative sphere of my own life. So that's when I start thinking about ways to generate accountability for myself. Some things can get so bad you just know you don't ever want to do them again and then it doesn't become an issue anymore. But when it comes to repeated sins, it's worth looking into systems that you can put into place to make sure that you don't sin again, whatever that is. If you sin with alcohol, that might mean you never get to drink again, and you just decide that you're going to be a teetotaler for the rest of your life. If you sin with playing video games, and you know that you're apt to sin, if you forgive yourself, that might mean you have to throw out your video game console. Pick whatever the thing is. Now, life will sometimes hold us accountable on our own, For example, you can steal that $20 from your friend, make restitution, and then you do it again. You might end up losing your friend. So there's external accountability. But I always recommend setting up systems of internal accountability, which can mean removing the inclination or the temptation to sin by removing the circumstances that create sin. And if you take that last step, that may be how you know you've truly forgiven yourself. So again, you've gone and you've apologized to the individual. You said, I'm sorry for precisely the thing that you did wrong. You made restitution where necessary. You confessed your sin to God. You nailed the behavior pattern to the cross and you become mindful of it when it pops up again. And finally, you've forgiven yourself by recognizing that you're really not that big of a deal and your sins are not the end of the world, but they are still a big deal to you and you don't want to go through it again. So the final step of forgiveness might be taking the hard step of getting rid of the circumstances that generate the sin. And then you're forgiven. Then you've forgiven yourself because you've made restitution to yourself and you've taken away the temptation as much as possible. And then you don't even have to worry about whether you forgive yourself or not because you've paid the price. Like, wow, I must really love myself because I gave up this thing in order to make sure that I don't sin again. There's no better way to show love for ourselves than giving ourselves discipline. That is a father's love. That's the way the father loves us. And that's the way many of us don't know how to love ourselves, is by setting up structures of discipline to make sure that we don't sin again. And when we do that, when we take that hard step, in fact, I just talked to a guy who was having trouble with social media today. He deleted his social media account. He had a pretty prominent account as well because he knew that it was not good for him and it was a big step for him to forgive himself and know that, you know what, I've forgiven myself. I don't want to make this mistake again. So I'm going to delete the source of my ability to commit this sin. It was big for him and it opened up this whole window for him to begin healing his life and the other mistakes he made as a result of that. And so this is the totality of what it means to really forgive ourselves and to be forgiven, to offer a sincere, clear apology to the individual, to make restitution, to accept reconciliation, to repent to God, to be mindful of the behavior, to forgive ourselves because our sins aren't really that big of a deal, but recognize they are still a big deal within the relative sphere of our lives and pay the cost that we need to do to remove ourselves from the source of sin. That is the totality of forgiveness. So this turned out to be quite a lot longer than I expected, but I do hope that you got some value out of this. I'm loving doing these Ask Me things. and if you want to have this level of interaction with me every day, on Telegram and be able to ask me questions for the Ask Me Anything. You can go to renofmen.com slash council, and you could submit a question like this and have your question benefit thousands of people around the world. Again, thank you to the member of the council who submitted this question, and I look forward to joining you next time for the next Ask Me Anything.